Hello and welcome to Fresh Dialogues. I'm your host, Alison Van Diggelen. I hope you and yours are staying well despite the violent insurrection in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. This week, I want to bring you some hope and optimism from an unlikely source. More on that soon. Meantime, I'd like to share two insights that resonated with me as I sought to make sense of the attempted coup and think about a pathway forward. The first is from our newly elected Georgia Senator, Raphael Warnock. PBS's Judy Woodruff asked how we can get anything done with such a divided country and Senate. Warnock said, we have no choice. And he quoted Martin Luther King Jr. in saying, either we will learn to live together as sisters and brothers, or we will perish as fools. And he posed this key question. Do we want to continue in our silos of violent, racial, political and religious hatred? Or do we want to build what Dr. King called the beloved community? The other resonant voice for me was President Barack Obama. He laid the blame firmly with Trump and his enablers. I felt that he was also speaking directly to me and all my fellow journalists when he wrote... For two months now, a political party and its accompanying media ecosystem has too often been unwilling to tell their followers the truth. Obama offered Republican leaders a choice to either continue down a dark path or choose reality and choose America. Although the majority of the media blame rests squarely with Fox News, Sean Hannity and all those media and social media platforms that allowed the false narrative of a stolen election to be amplified, Every single journalist should examine his or her actions over the last four years. For example, NPR's failing to call a lie a lie was a mistake, in my view. Mary Louise Kelly explained, A lie is a false statement made with intent to deceive. Without the ability to peer into Donald Trump's head, I can't tell you what his intent was. I think the events of last week make that intent to deceive and win at all costs abundantly clear. By contrast, the BBC, the New York Times and other mainstream outlets use the word lie when it was merited countless times. Yet even some highly regarded colleagues inadvertently fueled the fire by demonstrating lazy journalism. On January 8th, the BBC's North America editor, John Sopel's retweet of Trump's lies about a stolen election without clearly flagging it as a lie was a powerful case in point. A few hours later, Twitter finally gave Trump the red card he deserved months or even years ago, but the damage was done. Sopel and those like him need to follow the plea of New York Times journalists like Shira Frankel and think carefully about how they use their powerful media megaphones. Statements from other political elders like Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter and George W. Bush are also worth reading. Which brings me to my latest BBC report. When I read that Americans over 70 are showing resilience and optimism during this pandemic and lockdown, I thought, how can that be? We all know that the older you are, the more likely that COVID-19 can kill you. But here's a fascinating statistic. In the United States, an 85-year-old grandma who gets COVID is 10,000 times more at risk of death than her 15-year-old grandchildren. With odds like that and the lockdown isolation, you'd think she'd be a lot more anxious and depressed than them, especially with the post-holiday spike in cases and prolonged lockdowns. Instead, I discovered compelling research that demonstrates the reverse is true, and I discovered some valuable truths and life lessons about positivity for you and me.
Due to time constraints, the BBC wasn't able to air some of the insights from the wise 19-year-old I interviewed, so I'm adding his wisdom at the end of my report. Here's my report. Despite my age, I am still very, very active, doing online webinars, writing articles, etc., The COVID has not really changed my life that significantly, and I have adjusted. Rianne Eisler is a grandmother of four, author and president of the Center for Partnership Studies in Northern California. At 89, she's energetic, busier than ever, and even optimistic about the immediate future. We tend to devalue our elders. Elders can be creative, elders can be active, And for me, retirement is just, I don't want to retire. New research shows that although there are heightened levels of stress, anxiety and loneliness across all generations, older adults like Eisler are showing remarkable resilience, despite their forced isolation. Stanford University researchers surveyed almost 1,000 Americans from 18 to 76 years old in the early months of the lockdown. Here's Yohai Shavid, who co-authored the Stanford study. Older age is associated with reporting feeling negative emotions less frequently and less intensely, and feeling positive emotions more frequently and more intensely. Basically, what we found is that during the pandemic, younger adults fare emotionally worse than older adults. Why was this? Of course, it could be partly explained by the fact that younger adults are more likely to be directly and severely impacted by the pandemic's economic and social fallout than older adults, especially retirees. But the study points to other reasons. As people age, they are more motivated to find meaning and and satisfaction in their present moment. So feeling joy just becomes more important in older ages and worrying is less useful uh, because when you have much of your life already lived, um, what we call limited time horizons, about what you choose to focus on. And obviously different people have different things that give them um, meaning and, and joy, but the tendency to focus on these and tend to increase with age. Chris Campbell, a grandmother of four and retired attorney in Monterey County, agrees her time horizon contributes to her resilience. Well, I feel great today. It is much easier when you are in the last chapters of your life, as I am. I hope they will be long chapters, but I think it's much easier to live in the moment and to be very aware that you have limited time left, and so to dilute or impair the time you have left with worry and anxiety is just so counterproductive and it robs you of the chance to enjoy being alive. And I think that may be the secret to why we elderly people are perhaps not as stressed as as younger people by this. At 19 years of age, Luke Melcher knows firsthand about the stress of younger people. For his generation, there's no apparent limit to the time horizon. But the opportunities at the start of their adult lives have been blocked by COVID restrictions, leaving many frustrated and angry, he says. I think a lot of kids felt that they were cheated out on like very important uh, years, both academically and socially. So. I think we all do understand the significance, obviously, of the virus, but I think just because it's the time when we're all supposed to be launching, you know, like going off to college or 
leaving college and going off into the real world. And so a lot of kids have been looking forward to this opportunity. It's been hard for kids just thinking that it'll never end. I think that's kind of what it feels like right now because it's been going on for so long that it feels like it's just never going to stop. Chris Campbell sympathises with how those much younger than her feel, even though the risk of death from COVID-19 is a lot higher for her age group. There is almost like a collective sadness among many of us at the pain that, that this virus has unleashed. I mean, not just all the deaths, but the people who are, whose livelihood has been destroyed and, and who can't feed their children. And I, I feel that as a stressor on behalf of others. So how do elders process that sadness and still nurture feelings of joy and pleasure? Johan Shavid cites two key areas in which older people tend to focus to regulate their emotions. First is that emotionally close relationships become much more of a priority. How they treat those relationships, how they approach relationships, less confrontational in relationships, more forgiving. Older people tend to be more generous to others. So it's about making this relationship a a priority, making good social environment a priority. And the other thing is that we know that when people of different ages are presented with stimuli that has both positive and negative aspects, older adults tend to focus on the positive, while younger adults tend to focus on on the negative aspects of things. And again, we think that it's related to this different future time horizons. Negative information is very useful um, if you think of it in terms of evolutionary theory. When you have a really long uh, future ahead of you, um, it tells you what to avoid. Kirsten Emerson of the University of Georgia adds some nuance to the correlation. During the spring lockdown, she surveyed the stress levels of about 800 people in two age groups, 60 to 70-year-olds and 71 and older. She was surprised to find that despite higher physical risk from COVID, 74% of the older group were not that stressed, compared to 56% of the younger group. Emerson asked open-ended questions in her study and discovered these insights. Lots of people are very worried and very stressed out. A lot of times worried not so much about themselves, but for their family members or for even society as a whole. But there were also people who remarked on this isn't the first time they've been through tough times. They've gone through hard things before. They know how to do this. And so they were really talking about this resilience that we know older adults have. Um, You know, by the time you're 70 or 80 or 90, you've gone through some stuff. You have these coping mechanisms. One of the questions I asked just is how have your health behaviors changed since the beginning of social distancing? And some of them are positive health behaviors like exercising more. And some of them are the not so positive ones like drinking more, sleeping less, eating more. And the older group, the 70 plus, were engaging in less of those negative health behaviors. So they were less likely to drink more, to eat more, and less likely to sleep less. So their coping mechanisms tended to be more positive. People talked about reading, taking walks, and kind of being creative with their social connections. And I think we've all started to do that in these past months is getting a little more creative in how we connect with people, whether that be technology or walking outside or just coming up with creative ideas. Some young people who are struggling emotionally are reframing 2020 as a gap year, giving themselves permission for all the missed deadlines, the lack of achievements or career advancement, or even unemployment. Chris Campbell, now in her eighth decade, has this wisdom. One of the things that my parents taught me is that you have so little control over many of the things that happen to you or how people, other people behave 
you have complete control over your reaction to it. And that is, has really become my mantra in uh, my elderly years. And I find it is extremely powerful. You know, I, I get to decide how I'm going to respond to things like the darkest days of the Trump administration or a terrible pandemic or the wildfires, all the, the pain and destruction that those brought. I think the COVID-19 pandemic is a time for reflection, not only on our own personal life, but on our social institutions. I mean, look at what revealed about lack of resilience of our economy, uh, lack of justice in our economy. Uh, and I would advise people to try to be of service in some way. I mean, someone whose need you can help to meet. I, I think that that can help us a great deal. And here are some insights from 19-year-old Luke Melcher of Northern California, who speaks eloquently about the anger and frustration of his generation. I started by asking Luke to rate the intensity of his frustration on a scale of 0 to 10. Fear of missing out of this time of my life would definitely be a 10, just because I just think there's so much important stuff that goes on when you're a freshman in college, senior in high school. I was very frustrated about that. Or I even just friends I know who... Um, didn't get to do prom or graduation and all that stuff. That's definitely, definitely a big one. I think that especially in this time of our lives, it's a time when we actually get that control of our lives. Like we're not living under our parents' house anymore. We're off to college. We're living on our own. We can vote, we can drive. And I think when something happens that's out of our control and kind of pushes us back a couple steps, then it's kind of, that's where a lot of the anger comes from. You know, a lot of adults are, obviously like settled and so it's easier for them when the when COVID hit to just be like it's all good we're gonna hunker down and stuff but I think a lot of kids felt that they were cheated out on a very especially like seniors and freshmen they were cheated out on like very important years both academically and socially so it's been hard for kids because I don't think a lot of adults realize they don't put themselves in the kids shoes and they don't they don't remember what it was like those times when they were launching off to college or launching off to whatever job after after college and how painful that is to just have to move back in with your parents and pause again. He also shared some coping mechanisms that are working for him. I started doing a lot of meditation and I started to work out a lot more. I thought that obviously meditation was a time for me to just let my mind go and be in the moment and just take a break from the real world. And then kind of the same uh, thing with working out. It was a time for me to escape and just get all my frustration out and get a good sweat on. So I definitely picked up those two a lot during this time, which okay. has helped so much. And what kind of exercise were you doing? A lot of running and, and like intense weight workouts. So, you know, and like anything to just get like frustration out or, uh, get a really good sweat just because it just made me not think about what was going on in the world and a great time for me to be with myself and my thoughts especially when I was feeling a little depressed or angry I would just sit there and let the emotions come to me and just let them go 
Thank you for joining us on Fresh Dialogues. Let's hope the next time we connect, Joe Biden will be our president and the majority of Americans, honest, decent people, will reject the violence of January 6th and unite behind our common goals and shared humanity. And let's also hope that Trump and his enablers will be held accountable for their misdeeds and that reforms are put in place so that Trumpism doesn't raise its ugly head from the ashes ever again. As Thomas Jefferson said, Truth is great and will prevail.